and Tim Rice. It's all there in chapter 39 of Genesis. You can find on page 43 if you want to follow it in the Bibles beside you. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with, was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his, of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left, he, he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Then things went wrong, and Joseph ended up in prison. So we jump now to partway through verse 20. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. And so the second reading is taken from Colossians, uh, chapter 3, verses 22 through to chapter, the first verse of chapter 4, all of which is on uh, page 1184, under Rules for Christian Households. Slaves. Obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favouritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and what is fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. This is the word of our Lord. Let's just pray. 
Lord, open my mouth to speak your word. Open our ears to hear it, our hearts to respond to it, and strengthen our wills to obey it. Amen. Well, as we start into a new sermon series on the work or our work as mission, I wonder what you see as your work. Um, a good friend of mine who retired some while ago got tired of people asking him, what do you do? So his answer now is, I no longer work for money. In work, out of work is a phrase that we hear very frequently these days. And it can easily make us think that the only work worth talking about is being in paid employment. Well, I wonder where that leaves all of the voluntary work that's done in this country that's estimated to add something like 12.2 billion pounds each year to the country in value. I wonder where that leaves the incalculable value that's added by those who care, raising children, sometimes not their own, caring for family, for friends, for neighbors. And what about those whose work is to pray? We are all called to pray, but for some of us, prayer is our work. So if that is now your primary role and calling, you have the most important and far-reaching work of all. It reaches beyond the narrow confines of nine to five. It extends to all cultures, groups, races, and extends beyond borders. Be in no doubt, we never partner more closely with God in his work of redemption than when we pray. Well, we pick up the story in Genesis 39 where Joseph has been sold into slavery. In terms of a working life, you might call it an unpropitious start. It would be fair to say he started at the bottom. But we learn from the passage that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Potiphar, who was no fool, wanted to have a part of this blessing and put him in charge of his household. It says he entrusted to him everything he owned. Everything he owned. How astonishing is that? that he should entrust everything to a slave. But Potiphar too found blessing through Joseph's faithfulness. The Lord blessed everything Potiphar had. He left everything in Joseph's care. Now, Potiphar was an Egyptian, a non-Jew. He probably knew very little of Joseph's God but he knew enough to recognize the presence of God and the blessing of God when he saw it. And most people do. Often before people feel that they can trust God, 
they start by discovering it through the trustworthiness of his people. Some time ago, a work colleague gave me an autobiography to read. It was the autobiography of Colin Powell. You may remember he was um, a US general, a key figure in the Gulf War. And I have to say, my heart sunk because I'm not a great fan of autobiographies in general, but certainly not of military autobiographies. So I thanked him kindly and I set it on one side, but he wasn't about to let me off the hook so easily. Um, and he kept asking me, how are you getting on with it? And I said, oh, well, I'm, I'm just reading something else at the moment. You'll really like it. So eventually, out of courtesy to him, I read it. And there I read something quite remarkable. He said, I've always taken it as my task to take charge of the mission and all army property in sight. What does that mean, I thought. Fortunately, in the book, he went on to explain. Well, it was quite clear to him in most instances what his mission was. In lots of instances, it was written out in mission orders. But in saying taking charge of all army property in sight, he said, what I mean is this, that if I saw something needed doing, then it was my responsibility to do it. What a contrast to the walk-on-by, not-my-job culture that so often we see pervading all areas of life, not least in the workplace. For you see, we learn in the reading in Colossians that excellence in work, no matter what your work may be, is what happens when no one is watching. We learn in the second part of the account in Genesis that now, for reasons that Adam will run through with us next week, Joseph ended up, through no fault of his own, in prison. It'd be fair to say that if Joseph started at the bottom, then now the bottom has fallen out of his world. I wonder if you've had that experience. So what did Joseph do? Instead of saying, well, that's it, the game's up for me now. I can do nothing useful. I'll sit in a corner and mope. He carried on and did what he'd always done. He kept close to the Lord there in prison. And it says the Lord was with him. He found favor through this with the prison warder. The same story. It was clear to the prison warder that this was a man blessed by God, and he wanted some of that blessing in the work that he was doing. So what of those maybe here today who are damaged either by the faults of others or by faults of their own? Is that the end of the story? Does that mean we're no longer useful to God? There are many testimonies from those who have been imprisoned, either unjustly, through faults of other people, or through faults of their own. We think of those in the Bible who were imprisoned unjustly, of Peter and Silas, of Paul, and the remarkable work that God did through them. 
in more recent times, somebody who's had a profound effect on my life, particularly in my late teens and early 20s, Richard Wurmbrandt, imprisoned for 14 years in communist Romania, three of them spent in a subterranean cell in solitary confinement. He was treated appallingly, and yet the work of God continued in him and in those around him. Perhaps you feel the situation you're in has put you in a terrible place through your own fault. But we can think of people like Chuck Colson, the disgraced White House chief of staff who found himself in prison, but would say that his life after that experience, when Christ was known in and through him, was far more powerful than anything he did when he was working for the president. Jonathan Aitken, imprisoned for perjury, found Christ through an alpha course, and the second half of his life has been immeasurably greater than the first. So if our work is mission, what does the witness of excellence mean in terms of our work? Does it mean being the most intelligent employee, the most experienced, the best qualified? Does it mean the one with the highest sales figures or the hardest worker, the one who never switches off and answers emails at two o'clock in the morning? Well, if that's what excellence means, that counts me out. I don't know about you. But it draws me back to a remarkable conversation I had about a year ago. I went on retreat to Cor Abbey, which many of you will know, on the Isle of Wight, a Benedictine monastery. And as the time was ending, um, the abbot likes to, to meet with people who've been on retreat there, simply to send them away with his blessing. And I said to him, how can I pray for you? And he thought for a moment and he said, you can pray that God will bless us and keep us obedient to him. That sums it all up, really. There's little more to say. If God blesses us and we are obedient to him, then whatever we do, whatever form of work we are engaged in, we will know the blessing of God. Jesus frequently spoke about work. And from the beginning, it was clear that God wants us to engage in beneficial work. So whether that is work in paid employment, through the necessary activities of daily life, or other constructive things that we do, as it says in Colossians, the passage that was read to us just now, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Excellence in our work is knowing that God sees. My children are very keen on YouTube and they're always playing YouTube clips of kittens that are sliding down slides into bowls of water or dogs doing funny things or people falling over in strange circumstances. Um, 
But somebody sent me a YouTube clip, and I didn't play it at first. I thought it would be one of these, but it turned out to be something very remarkable. And um, I'd like to share that with you in a moment. It's by a lady called Nicole Johnson, and it's called The Invisible Woman. Some of you may have seen this. And all I would say is it's um, around five minutes long, but just bear with the Americanisms because there's a very powerful message of God for all of us in this. It's difficult to know how to follow that, so I won't say very much more. Except to say, what is it that you're building? What is the work that God has given you to do? Whether in paid employment, retired, caring, praying, God sees. We work for him. And that's what makes the work that we do a witness of excellence. May God bless us and keep us obedient to him. Amen.